Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode's guest is Joelle Leon, phenomenal artist and storyteller. In this human-human conversation, Joelle and I explore the truths of self-forgiveness and self-compassion. Okay, now my truth, I still go back to this episode anytime I need to pick me up. It's incredible, and I really can't wait for y'all to hear it. Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist and a book to check out. I'll also share a reflection question based on something that was sparked by the episode. So here goes. This episode's song to put on repeat is This Is Me from the Greatest Showman soundtrack. (laughs) You'll understand why. This week's read is The Gifts of Imperfections by Brene Brown. And after you listen to this episode, reflect on this question. What do I need to forgive myself for? Don't hesitate to leave your response in the comments or at stacyack.com. I'm also here to remind you that self-forgiveness is a journey, guys. Please don't count yourself out when it gets hard because through it all, you are allowed to be worthy. I don't mean before when you're trying to figure it out or after you finally got it. I mean during, while you're in it, through the guilt, through the shame, the lack of understanding, the pain, the love, all of it, you are still worthy. And I hope you understand why through this conversation with Joelle. So uh, I'm really excited to have Joelle Leon here with me. Um, We only recently connected, honestly, but it has been an incredible connection and you are just so you're smart you're innovative you're introspective you get it you're rocking that skin tone like it ain't nothing you're rocking <laughs> the black people i'm like okay there's so much here there's just so much here and i'm proud i'm i'm so excited to you know just continue to like dive into your world and also allow your world to expand to all the worlds of the people who pay attention and watch human human because i feel like we are all going through so many of the same things and i do strongly believe we're all in this together so i know this conversation is going to be growing but yeah i just wanted to introduce you he's a writer performer author let me make sure i clarify i'm like let me add author writer you know but let me just say author let's just say that um storyteller yeah there's just so much here so i'm excited is there anything i'm missing that i need to make sure that people know um. I think a father, a husband. Father, like you know, thank like this is a. I'm just gonna carry you around with me. If I can put you in my back, in my book bag, and just introduce, introduce me to other people. Stacy, that would be amazing. You are. I'll be there. I'm like this is how it goes. <laughs> you are. You are equally awesome, equally dope. Um, I'm just glad to be able to share space with you again in this way and on your platform, which is super dope. So, I'm here. I'm with it. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. So I didn't tell you what the topic was going to be because like I said, I like surprise. (laughs) Um, And I also knew that I felt like just the rawness of it would be really great. And so I really want to dive into the conversation of self-forgiveness and accountability. Okay. So I have asked a few of my guests this before. And so I'd love to start off by asking you this. What is the last thing you forgave yourself for for the first time? The last thing I forgave myself for, for the first time, Um, I don't know if I fully forgave myself, but 
trying to forgive myself for um for my body there's a, a an essay i started um I, I started working on because you know i'm a dad i'm a dad two times over i'm 37 age and gravity are slowly starting to chip away at any sort of like um physical prowess <laughs> that i might have once had and like you know, I got a dad body, you know, um, like it, it is what it is, brother ain't been like hitting the weights in a while. So things are getting a little, things are getting a little sloppy, you know, I'm gonna be honest. The realness, yes. You know, but, but, I, and, and I think, and it is something I was having a conversation with my partner about because patriarchy is very interesting in that way. Um, like dads having like beer bellies or guts, whatever you want to call them. It, it's like, it's almost considered like cute. It's funny sitcoms like the, the 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 heavier dad like is considered the comical comical one but like if a woman was to post like a photo of herself you know exposing exposing skin or exposing layers of herself that maybe she she's just not become comfortable with especially when we talk about the body posi movement like the comments are relentless and it's normally from like you know punk punk foolish ass men who have Right. Some say, but it's what, what I'm what I'm understanding. What I'm trying to like wrap my brain around too is like this is my body. This is where it is now, um, and giving myself the space to feel that um, and to recognize that. And and that and that's a whole other conversation about aging too, yeah. and how much how much weight we put on our physical appearance. Well, at least I know I used to, you know, um, and that 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 really does go away. Like it. it it disappears and so trying to be forgiving um to myself and for myself like where my body is now where it might not be you know that might change i might pick up a dumbbell tomorrow probably not but you know probably not probably gonna pick up a popeye sandwich first i'm just going you know i know i know where my taste buds lie you know um but yeah i, I think that's actually a really good question but that's probably i think this has been the first time that I've been trying, I've at least been trying to be forgiving about that in that regard. Wow. First of all, thank you for sharing that. And you rarely hear the guy's side of it. And I've always been really interested in like, how do guys deal with this? You know what I'm saying? Because obviously mm -hmm. women have been objectified in a very specific way. And, and there's a lot of comments and things towards that, but men have also dealt with that. And you never know what the guys who are reading GQ, the magazine, the whatever, our feeling because we don't talk about it often. Like I'm listen, I didn't I didn't skip the couple of shirt sizes and like, you know, I I wear I wear large shirts, sometimes XLs because I wanna have my belly. Like it's not, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm I've seen my body change over the years from like when I was twenty five and to like when I was thirty, even when I was thirty four, like it, it's been a difference. So I think for me, and we've talked about this in leaning into the truth of things, what I would like to be able to do is continue to be as vulnerable as possible to kind of create dialogue for men. Because again, I think those, I think those are also parts of the things that creep in to um, how we uh, fetishize women's bodies and also like misogyny and patriarchy. If we're not dealing with the like the, the like the insipid things, the the, the 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 dark things, the hard things, it shows up in other places, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And even in this topic, it it unveils the things that are also attached to self forgiveness, which is shame, 
mm. um, guilt yeah. and trying to figure out how many steps you have to take before we get to, I forgive myself. I am fine. I am enough, you know, and I always, even with your point, I, I'm I just, again, I'm so appreciative that that was a story you shared, but do you feel like it's possible to experience self-forgiveness without guilt, without shame? Can we like hurry up and get there <laughs> or are those next steps necessary? I think that's such an important question and uh, a great alley because I no you you have to I think there has to be something that needs to be forgiven and I generally I think the shame the guilt the um, self loathing those those things are kind of part of it um, and it's something I think Buddhism has been really impactful in that in that way for me because is recognizing that those things generally don't go away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I took somewhat of like a social media hiatus and really what I've kind of shifted it to is me just being, I thought I was intentional, but not trying to just take it to the next level. And like, I was posting maybe three times a day on Instagram and I, I could see myself like meditating, sitting with things and thoughts and trying to find the words as opposed to really being in a place of letting the words find me, which means I might post once a day, I might not post for three weeks and just giving myself the time to be with that process. But I bring all that up because, you know, you open, you open IG and it's like, it, and it's very, it can easily become a shame fest. You know, you're comparing relationships, you're comparing body types, you're comparing content. Um, and it doesn't happen all the time. Like, but I recognize there was a reason, like even when I go on IG, I just post. And sometimes I feel bad because I want to engage with my friends' content. I want to engage with other people's content just because I want to help their Like, I want to help the algorithm in their favor. But I also know, like, if you keep scrolling, you're going to hit something. You know what I'm saying? You're going to hit that vacation picture. You're going you're gonna to see something that is a reminder of something that you, that you thought. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bottom up, At participating McDonald's. You've gotten over, but it's actually still a trigger. And, but that's the shame. That's the guilt, you know? Um, and to your point of not feeling good enough. And so you need those things. And I think those things are always going to be existing. What Buddhism has been able to teach me is, is, is how much we limit the attention we give to the triggers, you know, and how long we stay in that space. The more we do the work, the, the, the less time I think it takes for, for us to move from the shame to, to, a, to a better, healthier space. Um, but it's going to be there, and it needs to be there, because you need that balance, I think, to be able to reconcile the work that still needs to be done the awakening that still needs to happen you know I think that's so fair and I think what's so great about what you said is the time because for me I I do I, I don't know if I believe okay I will say I do believe that shame and guilt they do something they do get you closer to that but because sometimes we don't have the training to get out of shame faster or to get out of guilt faster we are there so much longer than necessary and needed that's healthy by the time we get to self-forgiveness we've already it's like we piled it up it's 60 yeah. things we need to forgive ourselves for instead of one yeah. you know at a time because you're always going to be forgiving yourself you're always going to be evolving growing but mm -hmm. what i'm trying to teach us and also teach myself is get out from here faster 
<laughs> you don't have to squat yeah. here. This is not your home. You are not yeah. renting anything yeah. here. You have yeah. no, no, this is not real estate. Yeah. Like yeah. these are emotions and feelings and whatever, but they get you closer to that healthier relationship with yourself. Yeah. And so I love that you just talked about the time. And so, okay. One of the tools it seems like you mentioned is being aware with how much you're spending on social that can definitely get you out of that. If there's yeah. some other tools you, you have that you're like, these things make sure I know I don't live here. Gratitude journals and and I think being very nuanced and very specific when we're talking about gratitude journals, like really granular in the process. So um, I brought this example up in other podcasts, so I won't bring that up. But I I'll use like it could be as simple as I'm like okay, so I at one point in time I had read you know, um, there was something I read about like left brain right brain and how there are certain things you can do, do to kind of help create a healthier brain, right? So if you're right-handed, doing things with your left hand, stuff like that. So I just taught myself how to brush my teeth with my left hand because I was like, okay, I need to change the programming. So it, and sometimes it'll be something as simple as if, you're, if you've been taking a certain path to get to work, like take a different path. So sometimes I would just switch it up when I would get off the train. And so for my gratitude journey, it wouldn't be about the path I took, but it would be something along the lines of, I'm able to walk to work a different way today. And it feels silly, I think, to, to some maybe, but the, 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 the smaller the victory that we can like acclaim for ourselves, uh, the, the easier it then becomes to be in a space of grace, um, I think. So like, I, I, like being able to write down, hey, I, I taught myself how to brush my teeth teeth with my uh, my left hand to me felt like uh, a victory and so it was like what are the other ways like how am I showing up for people how am I showing up for myself like I didn't eat that Popeye's chicken sandwich today you know you might eat it tomorrow but it's it's that it, but like if you can recognize if you can recognize those things it allows you more room to also start recognizing the bigger things and you start just talking you start talking more in more healthy ways um Another example, and th this was something I, I tweeted because a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Adria, was trying to was trying to name her plants, and I told her she should name her plant. Um, I told her to just name it Adria, and then I put out a tweet that's like, "It's a life hack. You should name your plant after yourself." And it, it, people have been sharing, and it's, been, it's been making me super happy. And I think part of that is like it, it kind of leans towards the gratitude journal. But how can we talk? how can we talk nice about ourselves man you know what i'm saying like if you're if you're gonna pour love into a plant right you, pour, you give water you give a words of affirmation how are we able to do that for ourselves as well um if that's if that's not naming a plant that can just be as simple as putting sticky notes on your mirror you know like i am great i am beautiful this goes for men and women you know yeah. i think for men it's very easy to not to look at words of affirmation and gratitude for themselves as something that feels like a uh, feminine energetic quality as opposed to human a, a human quality like affirming yourself because the more you can affirm yourself also the easier it becomes not to just self-forgive but also to forgive others and to show up in a space of grace and mercy and empathy for others because we're extending that to ourselves the more we're feeding ourselves the better everything else the, the better everything else becomes around us you know amazing amazing and to oh god that was like the perfect way to almost like lead us to the next thing but also answer a few questions before that because 
one thing I have to say is I think the uh, affirmations, um, the affirmations mantra or advice, uh, it's so positive and it's so, I think we've heard it enough times where people feel like it almost doesn't even work. You know how like something becomes a cliche and you, and you really think about why is it a cliche? Because it works. Because we've been doing it for so long. Not everything, but there are things that are cliches because they have merit to be a cliche. So when people say, affirm yourself, look yourself in the mirror, write a note, and just the, you know, the beauty of you breaking that down as a human thing versus a male or female thing, I even find it as a female very, um, it, it has been tough for me to like write things out, you know, and I'm expected to write positive things about myself around and then stare at them because I thought I was being self-centered. Isn't that crazy? You being yeah. self-centered because you love yourself? Like that's yeah. a, that's what, it, like, yeah. so I, I, for someone like for me overcoming that and making sure I reimagine like no this is you making sure that you're a bomb and you know who you are before you can walk outside i don't know if you've experienced that as well but i also think because of the culture we're in and we're also breaking down the things that made american culture and make this global culture are you know perfectionism and not allowing yourself to teach to tell yourself how amazing you are so once you get rid of that moment affirmations feel really good they feel great and they're they're so useful and they're a cliche for a reason no, yeah, yeah, spot on, Stacey, spot on, per usual. I think also, too, um, you said something like reimagining, and, and, and reimagining has become kind of the core um, of my work. There, there's a book um, that, that, that I finished reading, um, Pleasure Activism, by um, Adrienne uh, Marie Brown. And really, it's, it's centered around, um, I don't want to say centered around Black feminist theory, but the work really is about finding pleasure and joy, not just in social justice spaces, but in ways that, 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 that are going to create a more liberated body, a more liberated mind. Um, definitely with the uh, Black femme audience in mind, but uh, a beautifully written book that, for me, kind of leans into the space, the space of reimagining. Like, what is it, how do we reimagine love for body, love for self? Um, how do we reimagine the systems that have oppressed us? Um, I can't remember if I brought this up on our on our first on our first talk, but um, "Freedom Dreams" by um, Dr. Robin D. G. Kelly has also been a really inspirational book for me when we talk about reimagining things. And you know, it's very easy, I think, for self love and healing to feel like a practice that doesn't have space in social justice. When I honestly think you can't have liberation without that, because what you're all all all, all you would be doing is bringing in a new oppressive system into place if we're not doing the work of deconstructing the the the, the things that already ail our community the, the the misogyny within the movement still um you know the, the patriarchy within the movement still um you know the 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 transphobia homophobia in the movement still um and a lot of that unfortunately comes from the space of black men you know and so if we're not doing that work, you know, where we're, we're, we're abolishing police forces and we're doing all this, it doesn't matter if, if people in the community still don't feel safe, the trans women still don't feel safe. And a lot of that comes from going back to what you're talking about, reimagining, but then also that self-love and how we've been trained to view self-love as arrogant or, or selfish when like <laughs> the, the white community doesn't even have to really practice. I mean, it's not the white community has kind of had it ingrained in them, um, self-love, just by what they see. You know, like, there, there are those, of course, who've been 
greatly affected. Like when you look at suicide rates and, and things of that. So, so I don't want to make light of that. But when you can turn on your TV and see a reflection of yourself, when you can open a magazine and see a reflection of yourself, when you can look in your community and see who's being fed and who isn't, you know, who you go to school with, you know, who your teachers are. Like when you're seeing representations in your community that are positive, that are wealthy, you know, that are healthy, um, that, that, that helps anchor, that, that, that helps anchor you in self-love as opposed to when you don't. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then you have to create it. Like, we've had to create those things for ourselves, you know, willfully, you know? So I think what you're talking about is super important. Like, being able to just reimagine. Like, if I'm thinking this endless, asking why. Just asking why, like, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? Where did I learn this from? Who did I learn this from? And why do I think it's true? You know, and, and going from there. And some of it is gonna be, it's gonna make absolute sense. And I think a lot of it isn't. And the, and the things that don't, we have to let go of. Why do you think we're afraid to ask why? <sighs> I, I mean, we're afraid to ask why, because why would then force us to do the reconstructive work of peeling back the layers? And really, if I've attached, and we talked about this too, like if I've attached myself to, if I've attached myself to my blackness, to my whiteness, to my Christianity, to my Catholicism, to my, to my motherhood, to my whatever, to my sex work, to whatever the thing that I'm doing or that I consider to be a role, if I have to ask questions about that role and about who I am in that role, that then, and especially if I've used that as an, as an identifier, as my identity, once I start unpacking that, I then have to start unpacking everything else. You know, what am I if I'm not a black man? You know, like, what am I if I'm not a father? What does that mean? You know, I think we do, you know, I was having a, a very good conversation with a, a brilliant sister um, the other day about, like how we've, we've kind of been, um, I don't wanna say zombies, but when, when you're not present, right? When, when, when we're not doing the job of really trying to awaken and be aware of, of the things within us and the things that, that, that surround us, we put ourselves in a position where we're kind of just, we're, 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 we're walking without purpose, without intention. And so like you just kind of log on to Instagram because it's habit, you know, you, I don't know, you, you Kiki and group chat because it's habit. You, you, you know, you, you send like the things that we do. You send a text to that person you're probably not supposed to send a text to because you're not thinking, right? You're just kind of going through the motions of life as opposed to examining the why. Because then the why is going to get you to the place of, okay, what else have I not dealt with that's creating these scenarios that are putting me in very unhealthy situations or situations that are devaluing me or making me question my self-worth and my self-value. Um, but the why is the key to that because then you have to do the real work. It's because it's, it's easier to not, you know, to kind of just coast and let- so much let, easier. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> so like, easy. just yeah. so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can just coast and you can hurt people, you can hurt yourself and not have to examine the whys of that. And there are a lot of people who do that, who, who will go to their deathbeds 
not questioning why, you know? And it's like, if we're trying to get free, if we're trying to get liberated, then we need to ask ourselves the hard questions. I see a lot of folks in movement work who are doing movement work but aren't doing healing work, who aren't healing men and women, who are showing up for the cause but then not asking, where can I be placing greater empathy? And where, where, where in me does the healing need to happen so that, you know, I'm not passing any of this energy, um, I'm not bringing any of this energy into these spaces. Because I think sometimes what happens is folks are, will go into a room and go, man, this energy is weird. And now asking themselves, is it me? Like, am I the person that's like, what was I doing before? What was I engaging with before? Who was I engaging with before that created this energy that I'm in now? You know, like me first. For me, the work is always me first. Why me? Like why? And then going from there, you know? I also want to add that the why does the answers to the why, whether scary, painful, mm -hmm. heartbreaking, beautiful, wonderful, centered, whether it's any of those things, it doesn't diminish the worthiness of who you are. I think that's yeah. the hardest part for me about asking the why. I think sometimes when we ask, I'm a lot more excited and open now to be asking why. I think I'm asking about everything and it's been fun, but yeah. it's not always fun. And I think, <laughs> you know, a lot of the hesitation to start asking was, am I less worthy for everything I believe? Or am I less worthy for have been wrong or have been right and didn't admit it or wasn't confident to stand in it? There's so mm -hmm. much that can be attached to that why. And which is why I asked, like, even on, from your perspective, why do you think you're afraid? And then for mine, I really think it is about questioning of worthiness. I feel like we, we find out that behind that, we might be crap. <laughs> and I, that's possible. You know, that's super yeah. possible. Yeah. Super it doesn't take away from your worthiness, though, you know? Yeah. And that's the, the deep part of it. And you said something so beautiful about once we learn to forgive ourselves, we forgive others. And in the process you just mentioned, I think these steps all lead to accountability right so can we talk about that that moment of self-forgiveness but also forgiving someone first which do you think one comes before the other do you think they happen at the same time because sometimes we realize the things i thought or held on to or whatever i didn't even put them in there so am i forgiving myself or am i forgiving someone else and like i'm not forgiving me because i didn't even do this to myself right and then that's when we miss the accountability part yeah. so there's just it's all intertwined what do you what do you think I, it is very, it, I think it is rare for, for us to be void of fault in scenarios. Um, outside of like, you know, when, when we're talking about very triggering events like sexual assault and things of that sort, right? It, mm -hmm. Other than those, it's really hard for me to see an instance where it's, we don't have room for forgiveness of self as well. Because um, there is no there is no forgiveness without accountability. I think even when we look at transformative justice, if we're talking about, again, um, abolition, you know, and, you know, the, the, there's like, there's been a very deep probing question surrounding what do you do for those who, are, who have been um, perpetrators of sexual assault? And, you know, I don't really have an answer for that. Um, uh, what I do recognize is in order for a system to work, like even when you look at jail, you know, as, as horrible as it is as a system, the idea, the idea behind it is you commit a crime, you're punished for the crime, you're released from the crime because you served your time, right? 
and you serve your penance to the community and now you're free, right? How it's supposed to work. Um, and, and I think forgiveness is, is no different. It's like someone wrongs you or someone was in the wrong in a situation. In order to forgive them, they have to do something to show that they are accountable for whatever they've done and they've taken the necessary steps in order to show that they are actually sorry for what, what, for what happened. And they've actually even are showing how they're going to ensure that doesn't happen again. It's how accountability works. It's how forgiveness is supposed to work. Um, I, I think they, they and, and it's interchangeable. I think you can't, both things do need to happen though. You need to forgive yourself and you need to forgive the other person. I think people tend to think forgiveness means lack of accountability, which is the, the complete opposite. Like if, oh, I'm forgiving them, that means they weren't wrong. It's like, no, you can forgive a person and keep them six feet away, social distance and not. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can still love a person, forgive them and completely remove them from, their, from your life. You can block them, you can mute them, you can delete their phone number, you can do any, you can do whatever you want. But the forgiveness is, it always comes back to us because that, that creates more space for us to show up in other ways for ourselves and other people. Forgiveness is never, it, for me, it has never been about the other person, you know? And sometimes we, we, I think we fall into the booby trap where it's like, I just need, um, like, I, I need clarity and I need this person to own up to their mistake. And you're not going to get that sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. That's a hard one. That's yeah. a hard one. Like, listen, the amount of, like, you want a person to come grieving, you know, groveling. Sometimes they're not even going to admit that they were wrong. And like, the forgiveness this is when the, this is when the forgiveness is so important because it's not about them it is about us like i forgive i forgive you for what you did even if you don't accept it you know what i'm saying and you don't even have to tell it to them you know what i'm saying i think a lot of that is it's we we take for granted affirmations manifestation and like what healing looks like but speaking the healing out loud even just to ourselves is 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 um therapeutic in that, in that way but you have to have both. You know, I think even in a situation where you feel like I didn't do anything wrong, you know, it's not about whether you did something right or wrong. It's about who was I in this moment that maybe didn't show up in the ways that I would have wanted to, you know, whether it's like I let someone walk all over me or, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Challenge or confront them sooner. Or even sometimes it's, some, and sometimes it's like I forgive myself for meeting this person. You know? Like, and, and recognizing, too, and there's layers to that because what I also want the audience to recognize is there's no, I don't, I don't believe in the, you, well, you're just attracting bad people into your life, you know, especially for women, especially for black women, there's this, uh, like that the healing space, it's easy for the healing space to become a, well, you, you get out, you, you're going to get what you put out. And it's like, nah. It's, it's so interesting you mentioned that because I have definitely been in spaces where that becomes like the conversation, the center of the conversation. Like, what are you putting out there? And I'm like, well, I thought I was fine, so, uh, you know, or whatever, you're seeing women talk about that. That's really interesting you mentioned that, but continue. Yeah, no, no, niggas is trash. Like, uh, like, 
a narcissistic person is going to be a narcissist regardless. Mm. Narcissist is going to find anyone. Good person, bad person, unhealed person, super healed person. You know, I think he, like, I will say he, like, a, a more healthy and healed heart might see the red flag sooner. You know, but a narcissist isn't coming up to you and being like, hey, I'm a piece of shit. So what's going on? Like, that's not what they're doing. They're, they're slowly creeping into your life and then, and then manipulating. That's, how manip- that's why it's called manipulation, you know, because they've confused you. They've tricked you. It's not like it, it's, you, you could be anybody and that happens to you. And so it's not about attracting that kind of bad energy, but it's, it's just bad energy in general. But all that to say, again, but then there's a level, I think, of forgiveness because it's easy to be like, why did I let this person in? How did this happen? Uh, I didn't deserve this. And it's like, forgive, forgive yourself. It happened. You know, like, it's be with that. And then how do we move on from there? You know? What is something that you used to think was so right that it took you time to change? Whether, whether it's, you know, you thought it was like right in your life or in, you know, outside and just the world we lived in. But what was something that that has either recently changed or just over some time and you've been like, wow, that was that wasn't it. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right and wrong. I think for for a very lengthy period of time and I'm a Capricorn, too. So Capricorns are just naturally hard headed. Um, we're always right. And. Now, when I hear anyone say they're always right, for me, it's just like, mm, I'm probably not gonna be a friend. Can't do that. Because it, it, it means you're not doing, you're not investigating. You're not asking why at all. You're like, it's not me, I'm not the problem. Like, you sure? Are you sure you're not the problem? Because you could very well be the problem, but you're not asking, so you wouldn't know. Um, but for me, it's like, I, I, I think there's no, like, things are, like the belief that things are black and white or right and wrong, it's, there's so much gray. There's so much I think that's neutral, that's dependent on context, that's dependent on, on the nuance of the situation, that's dependent on the relationships of the persons involved in whatever scenario we're discussing. I, for me, it's, I, I don't, I'm not trying to prove, or di- I'm not trying to prove myself right or disprove somebody else. Like that's not the goal for me anymore. Um, Cause that, that is very much centered in ego. And I don't necessarily even think that was the goal for me, but it definitely, you get into an argument or you get into a confrontation, whether it be volatile or not, it could just be very a peaceful disagreement between two people. Like trying to, I'm not trying to find an answer. I'm just, I just want, I, I want folks to be at peace with wherever we land, you know? That's such a good key. Because, before we land. Yeah, because we're not we're not gonna agree on everything, and that's fine. That's fine. As long as your as long as our difference in opinion does not mean the oppression of others. For me, I'm cool with. You know, and then also not wasting energy on those who are not who clearly like when we when we look at racism, when we look at misogynists, like I see the Talib Kweli shit is a good example of that. You know, there were a lot of sisters and rightfully so calling out the trash, right? Like, Talib was on, was on social just acting a fool. And then you, you saw women who were like, why aren't others in the rap community calling them out? And it's like, because they probably feel the same way. A, either A, they're not paying attention to it, or B, they just, they, they are aligned with that theory of thinking. And I think, when I think about the men in my circle who, who carry themselves in a very different way, 
especially when it comes to black women, the dudes who don't carry themselves that way, they're not, we're not having a civil conversation about what, what it means to, to, to show up for black women in the black community. Like they're not hearing that. And I think- No place for education you feel like, or they're just not willing to be accountable to the moment that's being had it. That's it's no, it's absolutely that. Not willing to be accountable because it goes to, it goes back to the like, and they're not thinking I'm always right per se, but they're they're very entrenched in their ideas and their, and their ideals. You know, like there's certain there are certain folks I think who are very much like Trump supporters, like very much digging their heels into whatever idea they have of a person, a community, a situation. Um, you know, we see the jokes flying around about Megan Thee Stallion. That's not a micro, like, that's not just Twitter. There are dudes who think that way. And who, even if you're engaging with them in a conversation about why that's wrong, are not going to see it because they don't want to. And so for me, that's why it's always been for, for them, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you feel like that's because, like you said, it's attached to their identity, it's attached to their safety, it's attached to their worthiness. To yeah. thinking that way. Yeah, no, for sure. For it, it's it's that it's that, and I think um, programming. You know, like there, there there's been a level of programming to like, and not the. I think it really goes back to the asking of why, which is very much connected to what you're just talking about. But folks who are not willing to ask why I think that, you know, or like why why am I so entrenched in this belief of what it means to be a black man, um, and what what it means to be a black woman. You know, like. If you wouldn't have worn that, that wouldn't have happened. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there are folks who think, and I mean, there are Black women who feel the same way in, in, with that regard. But you, you ask yourself why. And it's like, a lot of that is, is, you know, that's another conversation about, you know, how certain folks are raised in their church. And so, like, there's a version of, like, showing up and, and being pure that's upheld, and which is really steeped in patriarchy as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Bible isn't exempt from it. And so I, I, I think it, it all, but, but it all comes back down to the idea of like, I just want peace. Because if I want peace, then I'm not looking to, um, I'm not looking to, 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 to belittle you, to disrespect you, to put you in a situation where you look wild. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to honor the space in this engagement. And right or wrong is not the, is, is not the pretense for how I lead or lean into a conversation. That's not what it's about. Yeah, yeah. What, well, you kind of already mentioned that the, the conversation within your circles are very different, but can you give us some insight in that? What, what are you and other fellow black men talking about right now? And, and I kind of want to hear about those who are not taking accountability so we can figure that out, but also more of the guys who are, what are those conversations like? Are they understanding how, like for me, I understand how we got here. The exciting part is when are we leaving, right? Like I get it. And as we have been all sitting inside, hopefully also going inside, we should all be even more aware of how we got here, how we were programmed, conditioned, how several, several systems all together, you know, meet to this one thing to make sure black people, black and brown people do not feel like they are who they really, really are. Yeah. And so yeah. as we're becoming more, even not that we haven't been aware, but this is a reckoning, if we're being real. This is a reckoning and awakening. And so what are those conversations like with you and fellow Black men? Are you guys sad, scared, worried? Are you trying to figure out how to be the best? Are you helping educate other people? Are you realizing that you've been a part of the problem? How does that work? I think, I mean, I think it's a great question, Stacey. I think it's all those things. 
it's like recognizing that I've 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 participated in misogynoir. I've been I've I've you know I'm saying like I've manipulated women before in the past. You know what I'm saying like I've spoken candidly about about this. Um, you know I, I was on a a podcast with um, Jeff Johnson recently, and we were talking all things like black man healing and 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 really dismantling the systems that 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 create a certain kind of thinking that is dangerous for black women and black men and you know it is it's that it's really us sitting sitting together and unpacking you know like you know talking about what i learned from my father what i didn't learn you know um what i learned from my community of black men what i learned from hip-hop music you know what i learned from hip-hop videos like the things that like how misogyny just kind of slowly works its way into our everyday existence you know you learn you learn that catcalling is the way that you approach women if you're a child growing up because that's what you see in the neighborhood you know like we 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 have to do it better and like we we don't do it when something happens to your kitchen you might say this is ludicrous but that won't fix your home that will only get you the rapper ludicrous having trouble don't panic don't be alarmed you need to file a claim holla at state farm like a good neighbor state farm is there that's right you can file a claim on the app or call us thanks mr chris no matter how ludicrous the situation like a good neighbor state farm is there state farm bloomington illinois good enough job as a community uh, black men especially uh, for holding space for more than one idea or feeling or thought so it's like i can i can reckon i can recognize that there's a stereotype about black men and there's there's conversations that are happening on social about black men who are making things unsafe for black women, right? Like, I can own up to the fact that, A, I'm not one of those black men, right? I can also own up to the fact that there are black men who are out there protesting, who are making space for women. I can also own up to the fact there are a lot of black men who are not. And my job is not to argue with a black woman about that. My job is not to argue about her experience. And so, on the other hand of that, I mean, I have mixed views because I think sometimes, um, and it's something I've been saying recently, like we just have to be, it's not, we can't get rid of, I don't think we're ever gonna get rid of racist or racism per se. I just think, you know, we're always going to, there's always, again, balance. There's always gonna be some level of like negative energy that's gonna be there in order to counter and also reinforce the positive. Like that's just kind of been the, the ways of the world before racism, right? Like war has been, war has been part of, of our history. But, but, but I do think, um, there's something to be said for being louder than the racist, being louder than the misogynist. And so there are dudes who are just not gonna, there are dudes who are just not going to get it, who don't wanna get it. Like um, Drew Dixon, she, she said something recently where it's just like, maybe we don't, we don't even need to worry about them. You know, like I think it gets to a certain point where you're putting energy into a person or into people who you know and recognize who don't get it. And not to say that they're unforgivable or unredeemable, but I don't have time to keep pouring energy into those who don't get it. My job is to continue to create safe spaces for everyone in the community, trans women, you know what I'm saying, queer women, you know, femme, whomever, like the black folks in the community who are doing the work, who wanna feel safe while doing the work. My job is to continue to create those spaces, you know, like, because that negative shit, it's not gonna go nowhere. We just have, I, I would love to limit it, which also means we have to start communicating earlier. And that's also been part of the practice. Like, 
you know, when I'm talking in, in, in middle schools and high schools, it, it's about, hey, listen, hey, li- hey, listen, black girl, like, know your worth, know your value. Black boys, like, recognize, know your worth and know your value. And also recognize that you have, like, we all have to do better jobs of creating safe spaces for each other. This is how we talk to each other. This is how we don't talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then also, hey, maybe you could use your art as a vehicle to transmit some of that frustration out onto a page instead of trying to transmit it out into a system. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of folks don't have a, a vehicle in which to process the things that, 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 that are making things unsafe for others. And so like part of that is also, is, it's, it's also that catching them while they're like 13, 12, 11, you know what I'm saying? Earlier than that even, but because by the time they get to like to, to my big grown age, if they still talking that talk, it's gonna take some wild, wild event in their life in order for them to recognize the, 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 the fault and blame that they carry for the systems that they are helping to uphold whether they recognize it or not, you know? That's something that's also on my mind too. And thank you so much for sharing that. But it, just knowing that this starts really young and this starts, you know, in so many different, you know, in school and church and, and gatherings and friendships and needing to be cool at 13 and all of those things, they, they, they're a buildup. And so when you're doing the reckoning work at 35, 34, 45, whatever, that is like, it's not easy. So we can really be a part of healing and, and reimagining early. That is, you know, that's, I second that completely because that's I'm like lower fine let me know how to do we got to come up with a five-year fairy tale you know a, a magazine or a way to like get into the into yeah. our youth you know at an early yeah. age and you never really realize even when we were youth you know you have people saying like we got to pour into them we're like okay whatever I just want to be an adult <laughs> here we are <laughs> here we are and like I, I think about my, my 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 eldest little Lila and you know like my job is that I, I want to teach her autonomy over her body and over feelings and so it's like if someone if someone touches you in any way that feels inappropriate you let daddy know if someone is saying something that makes you uncomfortable let me know you don't have to hug everybody you know my relative you know like i come from a west indian family like our community black community in general like we just real come give me a hug like she don't have to and so you know and if she does it i'm not gonna i'm not forcing my child to do anything because i think what we, we start we talk about grooming, but whether we recognize it or not, we start grooming children very early with the behaviors that we condition them to, 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 to believe in or to become, um, I don't want to say victims of, but you're, you're creating an environment where a black boy or a black girl is now recognizing that they don't have autonomy over themselves. That if someone tells them to do something who's older than them, who's bigger than them, then they have to do it you know, or they have to go along with that. And it's like, no, I want my daughter to ask why. Or I want her to have the authority and the autonomy to say no. You know, and I think if we start teaching black boys that sooner and also teaching black boys that they don't have ownership, because I've had to do that my, on my own terms, on my own terms, in my own time. Like, you are groomed to think that you have ownership over female bodies. Like, if you're a nice guy, if you get rejected, you're almost felt to believe that you deserved to have this person you know, or you deserve to have this companionship with this person that you've chosen that completely removes a woman from the process of that conversation, right? And so the work for us is really like, again, how do we, why, you know? 
and how do we unpack patriarchy to a point into a place where everyone feels safe but a lot of it is the little things it's all the things we're talking about self-value self-worth forgiving yourself being grateful for who you are and, and like putting the onus on me as opposed to of the expectation of someone else giving that to me and so that that other person doesn't give it to me or i feel ashamed by that other person then i react in violence right i react in like Mis 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 misogynoir and like using language that, that again is unsafe it it they all it all comes back to to, to self in that in, in those in those times i think some of those points we definitely have to come back and do an episode two on parenting <laughs> but i love all of that but i was like and some of that we need because there's some there's some more to dive into there because that is truly again fostering that relationship with why so early in your kid's life and your the young people in your life is, is mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so before we wrap, I want to ask you one last question. I actually have to look down because I need it to be perfect. Because um, it can be, it's a little complex, but I know yeah. you can handle it. So okay. How do you recognize, reckon, and redeem the complexities within yourself? So how do you recognize, reckon with, and then redeem the complexities within yourself? I think, and I think, for me, I get to say yes more enthusiastically um, because I've done the work to really be very discerning about what speaks to me and what doesn't. And a lot of that is because I, I can recognize I was saying yes to a lot of things just because they were in front of me. You know, you come from a place of lack. You come from an environment where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of taught to fend for yourself and there's not there's scarcity everywhere and so it's like yes I'll, I'll say yes to this job yes i'll say yes to this gig yes i'll say yes to this relationship yes i'll because look i have like they're giving me attention they're they're giving me space and it's like even if it's unhealthy even if they're red flags you're saying yes because it is the first time you felt like fed you know um and it's taken me a good you know 37 years till i get to a place where now I say yes to things that, that speak to me. And now, surprisingly, the things that come into my orbit generally are things I want to say yes to. I've created, um, and a lot of that is the work and the reckoning of the things that I had yet to deal with. You know, like therapy put me in a place to, to be able to do that. Sharing, you know, like we, I don't, I think we underestimate how valuable it is to just share and share without judgment, which is why therapy is so important and so helpful. Like, but sharing with other people who, who you care about without judging yourself um, for the sharing. Like, even if the person on the other end of the line might be questioning the behavior, judging it, it's sometimes just the, 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 the relinquishing of, of, of the story, of the narrative that takes the weight away from, from it. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our heads well, it, it, it's, it's, it's easy to mystify the work as opposed to just letting it out. Because once you let it out, then it's not as dramatic. It's not as impactful. It's not as powerful. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has as much power over us once we tell the story. But being able to do all those things allowed me to, I think, really reconcile and reckon with the things I had yet to deal with by just creating them. Like, whether it was creatively, whether it was putting it in song, um, putting it on stage, having healthy, wonderful conversations with wonderful people about it. Um, 
but that all put me in a place where like I can feel it in my body when I'm excited about something. And so I'm, I, I, once I feel like that tingle, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. If I don't feel that tingle, then I don't do it. You know, if I don't feel excited about it, I'm like, no, because now I put myself in a position where I can say no, because there's, there's income coming in from all the things that I actually enjoy doing, you know, but it took work. It took me, it also took me, this kind of goes back to the shame and guilt. So I'm actually glad you asked me that because it did also take me saying yes to things that I don't, I don't think I was, I'm ashamed about per se, but it took me saying yes to things that maybe weren't the best for me. Like you have to go through those things, unfortunately. Like there is no shortcut to that because then that creates, that creates a, a person who hopefully, right? If you have systems in place that allow you to like sit and sift through those things, um, it allows you to reconcile and reckon with those things in a way that's healthy so that you can say, oh man, here's, Here's, where I, here's what I could have done differently. Not right or wrong, but differently. And I think that's also, a, like, the language is important. Like, not right or wrong, but how could I have done this differently to get a different outcome? And then also, how can I detach myself from an outcome? That's holding up the conversation, right? Like, so that I'm more focused on the process of growing and being than I am of, like, I want to get the shiny car or the shiny house or the New York Times bestseller or whatever the case might be. Those are all the outcomes, but the, the, the in-between stuff, that's where the gold is. And so focusing on that while also recognizing that I had to go through some of those troubling things and say yes to those things in order to be better at discerning what I, I deserve to say yes to. Um, but it, it's a process to get there. We just have to honor that, you know? It's a process. That's the perfect way to end it. It's a process because there was no perfect answer you could give. You didn't say I jumped here and I did this and I did this and it's perfect. No, it's the really recognizing the journey and the process of our humanity, of the, the pitfalls, the hardships, the wonderful moments, the lessons and how they turn into you truly knowing, yes, this path makes sense, but you only have, you have to kind of wiggle around and make sure. And that's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So people, and like people try to tell you, I would have did, like do this, do that. And I'm very much like, I need to throw shit to the wall. And I, I advise all people to do that. You know, you can take, take advice. I think advice is important, especially from trusted sources who have lived through experiences and like have an understanding. But there was shit that I, would just, I just had to learn on my own. I wouldn't have learned from someone just telling me. I had to do it. You know, Lauren Hill in the Unplugged CD, she talks about feeling like she's a mad scientist. And so like she has to like, so she's doing the experiments on herself. And I think that's how I feel. It's, all, we all, I would, I would encourage all of us to be scientists in that way, to like experiment, like do the work, live your life, you know, like you're probably going to hurt people, unfortunately, like this, this, this mystical idea that love is not hurt is bullshit, like people you love, you're going to fall in love with a person or love a person, a family member and hurt them in some way, doesn't mean it's going to be grand, it doesn't mean it's going to be life shattering, but they're going to hurt. Like that hurt is a part of, 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 of the human dynamic, you know, but Buddhism will teach us like, you know, pain is, pain is, pain is optional. Suffering is a choice and suffering is the clinging to suffering is the clinging to the things that ail us, that hurt us, you know, but love, love is all encompassing. So it, it all encompassing means everything, the hurt, the good, the joy, the pain, all that stuff. The more we can reconcile and, and be okay with that, the easier I think the process of this living also becomes, you know? 
which we have to live it. You have to live it. You can't wait for someone to like teach you how. With that said, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm processing and I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> I keep living. It's all good. Everybody keep going. I just love it. Um, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate you. I already told you why I was like, you got to come on. You got to share your knowledge with us. This is just, these conversations are so healing. They're so necessary. And I just, I love your perspective. So thank you so much for sharing. This means a lot. Sis, likewise. Thank you for having me. I'm always, I'm always here. Thanks for listening to the Human to Human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Joelle. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. And while you're at it, share this episode with someone you love or shoot, just someone you like, as long as you share it. Your feedback is so appreciated and your thoughts are valued. Stay connected between episodes at stacyike.com slash human to human, where I'll answer the episode's reflection question. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram, guys, at One Take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike. And remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's be curious. Let's be in community, be love, be support, and be real together. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.